Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran, your host, mystic in training, sharer of experiences and any little knowledge I've picked up along the way. As we all are, I am still on my journey. Journey where? Well, I guess to become the perfect human being. I don't know. Who knows what that means? Or a spiritual being? Well, this is the show, the mystic show. I'm glad you're joining me this morning. This is really good. Um, our website is themysticshow.net, and we're also on Twitter at The Mystic Show. And you can actually call, yes, you can call me right here in the studio, 973-498-8033. 973-498-8033. And this is the show where we talk about all things that can help us on our spiritual journey. I actually like reading the little bit off of uh, the webpage. I don't know if you've been to the webpage yet, um, but if you go to the Mystic Show, the Mystic Show dot net, yep, it goes to the Fractal Stream site, which, by the way, we are streaming on the Fractal Stream. That's our radio station. I like this line. Check it out. Saints and holy men and mystics throughout time have been unanimously clear on this one point. Ignoring the unseen spiritual aspects of your life would be the biggest tragedy. And really, that's why this show exists. Because of all the conversations going on in the world, most of which is superfluous, or even nonsense, and often hurtful, this conversation is one we all need to have, and we also want to have it. Deep in our hearts, we all know that there's more to life than the physical, material world, with sticks and stones and buildings and money, right? We know the really important things in our life are beyond all that. It's the feelings, the love, the compassion, friendship. So many different topics are interesting to me that I found interesting on my journey. And, um, you know, spirituality, meditation, meditation. We t I think we talk about meditation from time to time because that's almost the only way to, as, uh, as Jim Morrison from The Doors said, break on through to the other side. And as uh, Maynard from Tool says, actually, I forgot the exact line, but it's something like uh, uh, stepping through my shadow, coming out the other side. Right? There's this mask we all wear. Did you ever feel like you're wearing a mask? I mean, like literally? Because our mask is our ego, and beneath that in our heart is our spirit or soul or divinity, whatever you want to call that. And um, 
sometimes I look in the mirror, I look at my body and I'm like, what is, what is this body really, you know? Because someday the body's going to stop moving and then what? <laughs> so in a way, spirituality, the journey of a human being to advance in spirituality or to achieve some spiritual goal is, I think, a lot of times driven by not the fear of death, but wanting to know what happens at death. And it's funny, some people might not, some some of you might be saying, why are you talking about death? This is supposed to be a, you know, an uplifting show, inspirational, spiritual. Well, death is just part of life, isn't it? It's part of the same continuum. There's life and death. You can't have one without the other. So here, uh, also some other topics we might want to talk about are consciousness, psychic functioning, death, as I mentioned, and new physics, and more. You know, because science and spirituality are sometimes opposed, uh, sometimes not. I think probably in general, the scientists are opposed to spirituality, but the mystics and the saints or the spiritual people, they, they embrace everything. And that's the first topic I want to talk about this morning is it, it's, a, it's a human quality. But in our life, you know, we each have a character. And we've, we've all heard the saying, I, I don't have it in front of me, but, you know, if you think a thought, you uh, reap an action. It, the more you take action, the action becomes a habit. The more habits you have, that becomes a character. And your character determines your destiny. So our character is very important on the spiritual path. And it's interesting when, I think we've all seen it, people who claim they're spiritual, I mean, you know, claim they're on a spiritual path and, you know, whatever. And they, you know, sometimes they come off as holier than thou, but they clearly have, they don't have a character of a holy person. I mean, they have negative negative aspects to their character. So if you're a really spiritual person, there's really no negative, I mean, very negative part of your character. There'll always be a tiny bit of negative because that's part of being human. I think as soon as you become a perfect human being or reach the spiritual goal, you'll just like, poof, you'll disappear. (laughs) Anyway, that's getting a little deep because... I wanted to start going into how the universe began and how there was perfect balance, but then the balance was thrown off, and then that's how creation happened. So everything in creation is necessarily out of balance, and therefore when it achieves balance again, it'll go back to where it came from, which some would say nothingness. So these human qualities, we, there, there are... A list of these human qualities here. I just want to talk about one of them this morning. And this is a human quality that, in my opinion, is is something we need to strive for if we're on a spiritual path. Again, there's the spiritual side of things, which is the otherworldly and unseen, and that's all good. We need that. But we also have to behave as divine human beings 
when we're in our physical body, right? And when we're living our day-to-day life. Because it's very easy to fool ourselves, right? Thinking, oh, I'm a good person. But yet, we, we might be performing a lot of actions in our life that aren't so good. But we just sort of ignore them, right? Because we get in ha- bad habits. And if you have a bad habit for long enough, you, you don't even think it's a bad habit anymore. <laughs> you just think it's you. No, this is me. I'm a smoker. I smoke. That's it. You, you don't ever, after so many years or whatever, you don't ever stop to think that it's wrong or that you shouldn't do it. That, obviously, people do think that, and that's a struggle for them. And, and by the way, Ozzy Osbourne, as a side note, Ozzy Osbourne said that it was harder to quit cigarettes than it was to quit heroin. So I, I do sympathize with all the uh, smokers who are trying to quit and all the other people who are trying to quit bad habits. So, okay, so the human qualities. The first one is openness. That's the one we're going to talk about. Openness as opposed to being closed and shut off from the world and isolated and puffed up ego. Uh, Some other human qualities are sympathy, empathy. They kind of go together, sympathy and empathy. Um, Kindness and affection. Listening. Listening is is a human quality. And simple communication. Again, listening and simple communication kind of go together. And then you have, might be called the big two, (laughs) patience and tolerance. (laughs) Right? That's not easy, is it? Um, And another human quality is a non-judgmental nature. And, And that's meaning you're not prejudiced. Actually, about three weeks ago, I returned from India, and I attended a basically like a, a spiritual seminar, I want to call it, but um, the topic for the seminar was um, prejudice is the greatest obstacle to spiritual growth. And so there was a lot of talks given about prejudice and how how it really, you know, hinders our spiritual progress big time. And and the thing is, we are prejudiced in so many ways. Again, they've become so second nature, so habitual that we just, we don't even think of it. We don't even think that we're prejudiced, but we are. I mean, everyone's prejudiced. Unless you are in the moment and looking at everything you see with your eyes and feel in your heart as if it's brand new and you just forget the past of everything you're not you're being prejudiced so when you meet people you might have a friend who is always mean to you let's say i don't i don't know why they'd be your friend but anyway let's say there's a person who's always mean to you as soon as you see them Oh, the first thing you think is, oh my God, here we go again. It's going to be mean to me and I don't like that guy. Right? Well, that's being prejudiced, actually. 
because we should accept people in the moment. Maybe that guy changed. Maybe that guy had a spiritual awakening this morning and he's a different person. Maybe he's a divine person. Maybe he's way, way more spiritual than you. But yet, here we are, here you are still judging him as if he was still the bad person. So that's part of not being prejudiced is seeing everyone as they are right now, today, this moment, and not putting all these labels on them and everything. Now, should you forget, literally forget every bad thing he did to you? Probably not. I mean, you kind of, you just keep it in the back of your mind somewhere because you're going to remember, you're not just going to forget. So, but we shouldn't use that to judge the person. And it's a very fine line, but anyway, it, um, it's kind of a fascinating topic, actually, prejudice, when you start getting into it. So I wanted to talk about openness for a little bit, and then we're actually going to get to um, reading this James Allen chapter, this this little little piece of the chapter that's left. But openness is, I don't know, it's almost like the first human quality, because without being open you can't really be anything else. We've all had experiences in our lives where we t- we're talking to someone and y- you might suggest something new, like, hey, let's go to this new restaurant or let's go out and see this movie. And the person says, oh, no, I'm not going there. No. I said, well, why not? You know, well, no, I don't like that. But I don't like uh, Whatever, just reasons. and Or have you ever been there? No. Well, why don't you try it? Well, no, I don't want to. <laughs> anyway, that's not the best example, but that's an example of someone who's being closed and basically shut into themselves. And when you shut into yourself and you block out the world, like my spiritual guide says, if you're in a house and you close all the windows and you lock all the doors to keep the people out, that's okay. Okay, fine. You can keep the people out, but guess what? You you can't leave. You're stuck. And because there's no air circulation, the room starts to stink. So that's exactly what happens when we close ourselves off to the world. In a way, the universe is always giving us situations and circumstances that are good for us. It's almost like the universe knows what to give us to help us grow. Sometimes those are things that are pleasurable, and some, most times, actually, <laughs> uh, they're painful. Because if we're doing something stupid, the universe has to knock us on the head and say, hey, wake up. You know? Literally, wake up. Not in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense. So the universe is always trying to give us what's good for us, but if we're closed, we don't receive any of it. And we really don't go anywhere. And we just, actually, we go down. We, we go on the downward spiral. Life gets worse and worse. I mean, we've all been there. I've been there. I don't know if you you might not know, at one point in my life, I was broke, I was unemployed, I had no car, 
and I had no place to live. And I ended up living in my friend's basement. And it's a funny story because I moved into the basement in like August here in New Jersey, which is a very hot month. The weather is very, very warm, very hot. And as most basements are, this basement was pretty cool. The temperature was very cool. And so I said, wow, this is great. Feels great. I can stay here, you know. I didn't have much choice, and my friend was gracious enough to allow me to stay there. Um, and so I brought all my stuff into the basement, and uh, again, I was open to living in a basement, right? What if I was closed to that? I said, no way. I'm not living in a basement. Absolutely not. I mean, I would have been on the street. So anyway, necessity sometimes forces us to be open. So I was living in this basement, and then... Moved in in August, and September came, and October came. Got a little cooler. November got a lot cooler. December, it was really cold, and this basement was freezing. I mean, freezing. There was no heat in this basement, and I completely overlooked that fact. Oops. So anyway, the universe gives you what's good for you, Right? I don't know. That's my opinion. What do you think? Maybe you should call me. Maybe you should lift up the phone (laughs) and dial 973-498-8033. And and I'm I'm gonna jump when this phone rings, (laughs) finally. (laughs) It's gonna shock me. Um So anyhow, I was in the basement and, you know, that was painful. That was a painful part time in my life, actually. Um, But I ended up getting through it because when you're pressured and you're tested like that, that's when your true true, um, intentions or your, your true heart comes out, actually. So I, you know, picked myself up and I designed my own, you know, quote unquote success program and got a better job, and I ended up pulling myself out of all those situations, right? Not exactly broke anymore, technically. Uh, and uh, and I have a vehicle, and well, I don't have a job, but I have a business <laughs> with some clients, so that, that's, that works. Um, so anyhow, being open is not easy, and and being open, by the way, does not mean that you should accept everything that comes to you. Meaning if somebody comes to you and says, hey, let's, um, I don't know, let's go bungee jumping. Well, you, you know, you may want to say no to that because that could be dangerous, right? Or they may come and say, hey, I have some really good drugs. Try this. And you, you're going to say no. I mean, you don't, you're not open to that. <laughs> You know, there <laughs> there should be things that you're close to. I mean, that you're not close to them, but you're not going to partake in them. So this comes down to your values. I wonder how many of you, I should say, have you ever determined what your values are as a human being? And a value, basically, is what's important to you. Some people value freedom. Some people value money. Some people value love. 
Some people value their family more than their job. Some people value their job more than their family. Anyway, the values are, you know, we've heard in America here that, oh, family values. That's kind of old now, I think. I think that was the first George Bush president was, was talking about family values and everything. Or was it Clinton? I don't know. I don't really get into politics. But values are, they're almost like the rudder of the ship. They're the rudder that steers our life. Because your life will go in accordance with your values. If you're willing to sell yourself short and humiliate yourself and be a beggar, then that's what you'll be. But if your values are higher than that, and you have some dignity and integrity, and, and you value the truth, then your life would be a lot different. Anyway, we do value exercises in some of my seminars. Pretty good stuff. Um, so I'm going to, we're going to start reading this James Allen uh, chapter in one second. We'll just take a, a real quick short break. You're listening to The Mystic Show on the Fractal Stream. Thank you, Bob Marley. Right? What a groove he had. He's a guy I don't know much about, Bob Marley. I don't know much about his life. Although I could, and I could be wrong, but I think he actually, like, died from, like, an infected cut or something. Like, he had a cut and he didn't treat it. Then it got bad and then I think it went gangrene and then I, I don't know, and I think he died. If you know anything about Bob Marley, you know, go ahead and call in. <laughs> All right. So this is The Mystic Show, themysticshow.net. And we've been reading from this book, Byways of Blessedness, written by the renowned mystic James Allen. He wrote many books in the early 20th century and... They're just phenomenal. The most famous one, of course, is As a Man Thinketh. And uh, one of the folks in my meditation practice, uh, Kamlesh Patel, he he recommended that, that I read that book. Um, within the first two or three months of practicing meditation, he suggested I read that. Um, and that was a great suggestion because it was just spot on. It's what I needed at that moment. And, um, because it talks a lot about our mind and our character and our thoughts, a lot of the stuff I've been talking about is written so beautifully in as a man thinketh and James Allen, just a, an amazing, powerful writer. And so we're reading from the book byways of blessedness. And we're reading from chapter two, which is called small tasks and duties. And, 
I'll continue. There is no way to strength and wisdom but by acting strongly and wisely in the present moment. And each present moment reveals its own task. The great man, the wise man, does small things greatly regarding nothing as trivial that is necessary. The weak man, the foolish man, does small things carelessly and meanly, hankering the while after some greater work for which, in his neglect and inability in small matters, he is ceaselessly advertising his incapacity. The man who least governs himself is always more ambitious to govern others and assume important responsibilities. Why so? Whoso neglects a thing which he suspects he ought to do because it seems too small a thing is deceiving himself. It is not too little, but too great for him that he doesn't do it. And just as the strong doing of small tasks leads to greater strength, so the doing of those tasks weakly leads to greater weakness. What a man is in his fractional duties that he is in the aggregate of his character. Weakness is a great weakness is as great a source of suffering as sin, and there can be no true blessedness until some measure of strength of character is evolved. The weak man becomes strong by attaching value to little things and doing them accordingly. The strong man becomes weak by falling into looseness and neglect concerning small things thereby forfeiting his simple wisdom and squandering his energy. Herein we see the beneficent operation of that law of growth which is expressed in the little understood words, To him that hath shall be given, and from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Man instantly gains or loses by every thought he thinks, every word he says, every act he does, and every work to which he puts his hand and heart. His character from moment to moment is a graduating quantity, to or from which some measure of good is added or subtracted during every moment, and the gain or loss is involved even to absoluteness, in each thought, word, and deed, as these follow each other in rapid sequence. He who masters the small becomes the rightful possessor of the great. He who is mastered by the small can achieve no superlative victory. Life is a kind of cooperative trust in which the whole is of the nature of and dependent upon, the unit. A successful business, a perfect machine, a glorious temple, or a beautiful character is evolved from the perfect adjustment of a multiplicity of parts. The foolish man thinks that little faults, little indulgences, little sins, are of no consequence. He persuades himself that so long as he does not commit flagrant immor immoralities, 
he is virtuous and even holy. But he is thereby deprived of virtue and holiness, and the world knows him accordingly. It does not reverence, adore, and love him. It passes by him. He is reckoned of no account. His influence is destroyed. The efforts of such a man to make the world virtuous, his exhortations to his fellow men to abandon great vices, are empty of substance and barren of fruitage. The insignificance which he attaches to his small vices permeates his whole character and is the measure of his manhood. He is regarded as an insignificant man. The levity with which he sorry. The levity with which he commits his errors and publishes his weakness comes back to him in the form of neglect and loss of influence and respect. He is not sought after, for who will seek to be taught of folly? His work does not prosper, for who will lean upon a reed? His words fall upon deaf ears, for they are void of practice, wisdom, and experience. And who will go after an echo? The wise man, or he who is, he who is becoming wise, sees the danger which lurks in those common personal faults which men mostly commit thoughtlessly and with impunity. He also sees the salvation which inheres in the abandonment of those faults, as well as in the practice of virtuous thoughts and acts which the majority disregard as unimportant, and in those quiet but momentous daily conquests over self which are hidden from others' eyes. He who regards his modest delinquencies as of the gravest nature becomes a saint. He sees the far-reaching influence, good or bad, which extends from his every thought and act, and how he himself is made or unmade by the soundness or unsoundness of those innumerable details of conduct which combine to form his character and life. And so he watches, guards, purifies, and perfects himself little by little and step by step. As the ocean is composed of drops, the earth of grains, and the stars of points of light, so is life composed of thoughts and acts. Without these, life would not be. Every man's life, therefore, is what his apparently detached thoughts and acts made it. Their combination is himself. As the year consists of a given number of sequential moments, so a man's character and life consists of a given number of sequential thoughts and deeds, and the finished whole will bear the impress of the parts. Little kindnesses, generosities, and sacrifices make up a kind and generous character. Little renunciations, little endurances, and victories over self 
make up a strong and noble character. The truly honest man is honest in the minutest details of his life. The noble man is noble in every little thing he says and does. It is a fatal delusion with men to think that life is detached from the momentary act act and thought, and not to understand that the passing thought and deed is the foundation and substance of life. When this is fully understood, all things are seen as sacred, and every act becomes religious. Truth is wrapped up in infinitesimal details. Thoroughness is genius. You do not live your life in the mass. You live it in the fragments, and from these the mass emerges. You can will to live each fragment nobly if you choose, and, this being done, there can be no particle of baseness in the finished whole. The saying, take care of the pence and the pounds will take care of themselves, is seen to be more than worldly wise when applied spiritually. For, to take care of the present passing act, knowing that by so doing, the total sum and amount of life and character will be safely preserved, is to be divinely wise. Do not long to do great and laudable things. These will do themselves if you do your present task nobly. Do not chafe at the restrictions and limitations of your present duty, but be nobly unselfish in the doing of it, putting aside discontent, listlessness, and the foolish contemplation of great deeds which lie beyond you. And lo, already the greatness for which you sighed begins to appear. There is no weakness like peevishness. Aspire to the attainment of inward nobility, not outward glory, and begin to attain it where you now are. The irksomeness and sting which you feel to be in your task are in your mind only. Alter your attitude of mind towards it, and at once the crooked path is made straight. The unhappiness is turned into joy. See that your every fleeting moment is strong, pure, and purposeful. Put earnestness and unselfishness into every passing task and duty. Make your every thought, word, and deed sweet and true. Thus learning, by practice and experience, the inestimable value of the small things of life, you will gather, little by little, abundant and enduring blessedness. And that's the end of chapter two, Small Tasks and Duties, of the book Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. And again, I'm speechless after reading some James Allen, so we'll just take a break. Uh, You're listening to The Mystic Show. Seven nation army couldn't hold me back 
Thank you, Melanie Martinez from The Voice. Uh, you're listening to The Mystic Show. TheMysticShow.net is the website, and our phone number's there. All of our information is there. We do this show live at 7 a.m. Eastern Time every weekday, and it's replayed at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and also 1 a.m. Eastern Time. It's replayed here on the Fractal Stream. We're also going to podcast the episodes, which is, you can think of that like an archive. So we're going to have all the past episodes available, which is good because sometimes you might want to, you know, go for a walk with your headphones or uh, in the car, start streaming other episodes. Or maybe when you're in the kitchen cooking, you can put on The Mystic Show. So one, one of the lines I wanted to repeat um, from the, the chapter we just read of the James Allen book um, was about the those quiet but momentous daily conquests over self which are hidden from others' eyes. I'll read that again. Those quiet but momentous daily conquests over self which are hidden from others' eyes. Right? So he's talking about the the personal victories that we can have every day, you know, in doing small tasks and duties well, and mo- and that are hidden from other people's eyes. People don't know that you're doing these small tasks and duties perfectly or in the right attitude, right? So one of the things you can do that'll help that is to just pause. You ever use the the pausing technique? Well, there's an organization that we're part of. It's called Pause Your Life. And it's all about pausing our life in those moments when we need to pause, when life gets a little crazy, when the day-to-day whirlwind of activity becomes too much. It's a good idea to pause. Just relax. Just take a minute or take an hour. So pauseyourlife.org is the website. Pauseyourlife.org. And uh, they have meetups and retreats as well. So you could check out the meetups and retreats. And you can also sign up for a daily email. It's called the Daily Pause. And it sends a, a very nice quote to your email box every morning. It's a perfect excuse to pause. I kind of like that tagline. A perfect excuse to pause. Is that called alliteration? I think it's called alliteration. But pause your life. Um, me and my wife are working a lot on this organization, and it, we've it's really going well. So um, check it out, pauseyourlife.org. So 
I, maybe the phone's broken. Maybe my maybe I should call the phone company because my phone here is not ringing. But you can call me, 973-498-8033. So the Mystic Show, right, is all about being on a mystic path, being on a spiritual journey, right, which we all are. And we're kind of sharing this conversation because we're all on the same journey. We're all in different places. We're all on different uh, legs of that journey. But it's the same journey, and we can have a nice conversation about it. But spiritual growth is not so easy, right? (laughs) That's probably why you're listening. Because spiritual growth is not so easy. First of all, a lot of times we don't know what to do. I mean, I, I thought of this before I started meditating with um, Sahaj Marg meditation. I I don't know. I, I think I thought I was progressing spiritually or I was doing something. Actually, I was just reading books. But back then, if someone came to me and said, hey, I want you to design a practice that leads to the highest spiritual goal available to human beings, <laughs> I would have laughed, right? I would have been like, oh, yeah? Oh, how? What do you do? Like, I have no clue. Right? So we we all come in, each of us individually comes into this life, and we just don't really know innately what to do to achieve this spiritual goal. We, we're not sure. We can probably guess, but you could guess wrong your whole life. Then what? So when I came to the Sahaj Mark meditation practice and there was an actual practice where someone with a lot of wisdom and experience said, hey, just do this. It's very simple. Keep it simple. And I said, hey, that's great. I'm doing it. <laughs> Thank you. And so I started doing it. But, but of course, it's still not easy. <laughs> You know, no, I don't, no spiritual practice is easy. If it's easy, then it's not worth anything. Right? That's probably true in many areas of life. But there's... Um, so with regards to spiritual progress, there's a few analogies that are pretty good. I want to just talk about a couple of these analogies. And I find personally that analogies are a great way to learn and a great way to communicate ideas. So, in fact, that's how our brain works, I believe. That, well, I know, because you can't, everything's relative. You can't know any piece of knowledge unless you relate it to some piece of knowledge you already know. So I always, you know, so basically, if if you if someone holds up a book and you've never seen this title before, you know, let's say I hold up Byways of Blessedness by James Allen and you look at it, you might not know James Allen or Byways of Blessedness, but you know it's a book, right? You know a book when you see it. So how do you know a book when you see it? Because you've seen other books and you've picked up books and you've read books. So if you had never seen a book, never picked up a book, never heard about a book, never even dreamed of a book, right? And I held up James Allen's book, you would not know what it is. You you would not have a clue. You'd be told you wouldn't know what it was. 
And this reminds of the story. I, I can't remember if it was from The Secret or if I heard it from Bob Proctor. Um, I think it was when Darwin was, was on his expedition down near the Galapagos Islands in Ecuador and down there on the west coast of South America. I think he, you know, he, he anchored his boats, let's say a half a mile offshore, and he, and he took the rowboats into the shore. And he met the tribes people. And uh, I think they asked him, how did you get here? And he pointed at the boats, you know, let's say a half mile away, these big ships. He pointed at the ships and said, those are my big ships. And these Indians looked out into the ocean. They said, we don't see anything. And he said, what do you mean you don't see anything? The ships are right there. (laughs) Right? The ocean's blue. The sky is blue or whatever, blue, white clouds. and, And that brown thing with the big tall mast is the ship. They said, no, we don't even see that. So they, did, they couldn't see it because they, had never, they didn't know what a ship was. They'd never seen a ship like that before. So they just didn't see it. Another example is if, let's say, you and I are in a park, and I point up at the sky, and I say, hey, see that cloud? That looks like a turtle, right? Those few clouds right there. That looks like a turtle. You would look up and say, I don't see it. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I said, no, the turtle's right there. Can you see it? That's the head. That's the, the, the shell. These are the front fins. And you'd be like, if you didn't see it, you'd say, I, I don't see it. I don't even know what you're talking about. You're crazy. But, but hey, let's say that you finally did see it. See, there's the tail. There's the back legs. And then finally you said, oh, I see it. It would literally appear before your eyes in an in a instant. One second, it's not there. Another second, it is there. So anyway, that's a little bit about how we learn and, and that we need to have a basis for learning before we learn anything. And that's one reason why spiritual progress takes time, because you have to, you have to walk up the staircase step by step. There's no, uh, there's no flight There's no Continental Airlines flight that you can get on that's just going to bring you right to the top and you're done. (laughs) It just doesn't exist. The confusing part is when you don't know which step to take and there's a thousand staircases (laughs) and you don't want to climb the wrong one. Anyway, that's part of the fun, I guess. Climb up, climb down, find another one. You know, see your buddy. High five your friend. (laughs) So anyway, so analogies are a great way to learn because it connects what it connects ideas that we already know and it makes another idea. It makes a a, a greater idea, let's say, or a greater understanding, I should say. So one of these analogies about spiritual progress is a river. Now, how many there must be hundreds of analogies about a river? between a river and life. You know, life is like a river. You know, this too shall pass. Have you heard that one? That's a famous saying from, actually, I don't know who said it, but it's thousands of years old. And whatever happens, you can just say, this too shall pass, and it'll pass. So if you win the lottery and you have a zillion dollars, this too shall pass. If you're really sick or if something you know, something really bad happens, 
well, this too shall pass. Nothing lasts forever. And that's one analogy of a river. But the river I wanted, analogy I wanted to talk about was dealing with the, the rate of our progress. See, some, some of us are on a spiritual path and we're doing things, we're meditating and we're reading and we're learning and we're experiencing. Um, but we're also kind of stuck in some worldly habits or maybe our culture. I don't want to, well, I guess I should say that I've been to India nine times, I think, nine or ten. And India has such a rich culture and it's so nice. But guess what? Most Indians get caught up in their own culture and they just can't get out of it. They can't see beyond it. They cannot see past it. And even worse, sometimes they're not open to seeing past it. <laughs> they think my culture is the best. It's the oldest. India is the land of spirituality and that's it. So, so the river, there's part of the river where you can get stuck. And there's a part of the river that moves very swiftly. So what we want to do, I mean, the best way to be on a spiritual journey is to get on the, what in America you might call the fast track. Funny, there's also a fast track in India. It's a, it's a car, it's a taxi company. <laughs> anyway, but so if you're traveling down a river, if you stay in the center of the river, that's where the water moves the fastest. Right? It just kind of cruises right down the middle. It just it's not touching the sides. It just it's nice and swift right down the middle. And our spiritual journey can be like that at times. I mean, it won't be that like that all the time. But hopefully the majority of the time it can be swift and smooth, we hope. Um, but if you're traveling down the river and you're right near the the bank, you're, you start hitting the ground. There starts being these little um, these little eddies. The water kind of swirls around itself, and you know some you you've seen on the side of a river that um, there'll be like sticks. Sometimes you even see like tennis balls or, or soccer ball, or you see sticks or branches, little branches. They're just stuck. They're swirling around in a little little whirlpool whirlpool, and they can't. They just never break out of that. I mean, eventually they'll get out somehow, but... Um, so some of us on the spiritual journey are like that. I mean, we may be in the river. You may be on the journey. But you might be stuck. It's my belief that we're all on the journey. E- even even the worst criminals and the, the evilest people in the world, if you're born as a human being... You're on the river. You're in the river. And you, a lot of times, can choose. Do, you, do I want to be in the center of the river? Or do I want to be on the side? Because when you are in the center of the river, you avoid contact with solidity, grossness, things which, which make us heavy. And if you get stuck on the side... You could be stuck for a long time, and you might need help. You might need someone's help to get you out, right? We've all, well, probably gotten into situations where you couldn't get yourself out. 
Like if you've ever been uh, put in jail for any reason. <laughs> I'm not going to get into my experience. <laughs> but, you know, you need somebody to come get you out of jail. Right? You can't do it yourself. So anyway, so the river is like our spiritual journey. If you're in the center of the river, you're moving swiftly. If you're, if you're near the banks of the river, which is basically getting closer to grossness or solidity, you could get stuck. So now I want to talk, just mention about grossness and lightness. Okay. It's a, think of it as a spectrum. Think of it as, um, okay. So our, our physical body is the grosser form of us and grosser meaning, um, solid doesn't mean (laughs) the other meaning of the word gross, but our grosser body is our physical body. Our mind is more subtle, right? So that's more subtle. And our spiritual soul or essence is is way more subtle than that. So there's on one on one end of the scale, there's being subtle and light and uh, abstract almost and unseen, otherworldly, right? Like that's what this show's all about. On the other end of the spectrum is our physical body, you know, the the molecules, the physical heaviness. So that's 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 a scale of grossness and subtleness or lightness. And um it's my belief that on a spiritual pursuit we're we're basically moving towards lightness, moving towards subtleness. We're sort of moving away from grossness or we're not moving away, but we're just not getting attached and all hung up and caught up in the grossness. There's nothing wrong with our bodies. There's nothing wrong with the physical world. It's all good. The problem is when we get out of balance and we 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 cling too much to the physical world and we ignore the more subtle world. So I mentioned the other show that we we talked a little bit about balance that we have to balance our efforts. It can't be all on the material world. Well, it can be, and then you'll enjoy the, uh, you'll enjoy slash suffer the the results of your actions. <laughs> but if we also focus on the more subtle aspects of our life, we bring a balance to our life. So back to this analogy about the river, when you're in the center of the river, you're moving swiftly, you're not in contact with any grossness, which is the bank. So you're moving on your spiritual path very swiftly. But if you're near the bank and you're in touch with all this grossness, you know, money, power, what else is there? Position, uh, your, your, your belongings, your possessions, your family, your culture, whatever it is, um, if we, if, if a person gets caught up in all that, then their spiritual progress is slowed down. So I don't know. I'd be interested to hear your opinion on that analogy. And, um, and, and by the way, we're going to have a guest tomorrow. See, cause I'm, I'm not, <laughs> you can always call in randomly and I always, uh, encourage you to do that. And someday you will. Uh, but tomorrow I'm going to have a guest and we're going to talk about 
some very uh, some funny stuff, some good, you know, interesting stuff. Stuff. It's always interesting finding out what led people to their journey, their spiritual journey. Like what what experiences? Like for you, the listener, in your life, what experiences happened that led you to say, "Oh, I need to." I need to look into this spirituality thing or I need to start meditation or I need to read a book about, you know, the soul or telepathy or outer body experiences or any of these, you know, consciousness. There's probably a few events or maybe even one major event, but there's there's probably many, but a few major events in your life that really made an impact on you and made you think that, okay, yeah, I need to start doing something. I'm ready. I talked a little bit about my story. I think that was the first show I'd said I was talking about me and what led me to the spiritual path. Tomorrow, we're going to talk with a great guest about her journey. And there you go. So this is The Mystic Show. Our website is themysticshow.net. And you can check out a replays of this show. And also the, the podcast might not be up for a few days or maybe even till next week. But the, the daily replays will be there. Like I said, we do the show live at 7 a.m. every weekday morning, Eastern Time. And then we replay it at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern Time as well. So, so all you folks from around the world, you have to do... I have to get one of those clocks for the website that actually does the time conversion for people because it, it's got to be confusing. Then again, referencing New, New York time is not, not so, uh, I think people around the world might be kind of used to that or at least have be, be better at doing it than, than I am. <laughs> so, so thank you for listening. And also thank you to Richard Shulman for this, uh, this little piece I use for the, the intro and outro to the show. He, um, he wrote this song, it's called Flight, and uh, we'll put a link to him on the themysticshow.net as well. So, as you move into your day, as you begin the rest of your life, from this moment forward, be mindful, remain in contact with your heart, and as James Allen talked about, put your heart into these small tasks and duties and see the magic. All right, thanks for listening. Keep shining.